Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is Friday, November the 24th, 2023, the day after Thanksgiving. Um, and of course, if it's Friday, it must be that was the week. We haven't done it a couple of weeks, and Keith is back. I was in New Zealand, so we missed it last week. Not much has been happening in tech over the last couple of weeks, Keith, has there? Got any news? Uh, yeah, interesting. So, um, by the way, I did it last week. I did this video called A Walk in the Park. Uh, I, Without I, me, it's always a walk I, in I the park. I took this camera and um, put it in front of me and walked in the park and spoke to the thing. Oh, wow. Right? So I did Don't the, need me. You've made me redundant. You've done an AI on me. Well, I think there's nothing that can replace the dynamics of our conversation, Andrew. I yeah, so. so so the front cover this week says a tale of two weeks. Yeah, and, and you've um, managed to make it an AI cover with some more terrible AI art, which you love so much. A uh, tale of two weeks. Well, first week, Sam Altman out. Second week, he's in. Out in red, green in. So... And, and and by the way, at my Thanksgiving dinner yesterday, it was pointed out to me that it's only been one week. So so it yeah, feels it like, like a year. <laughs> it feels like a long time, but it was only a week. So, yeah, so to recap, um, the board of OpenAI, which is a not-for-profit holding company sitting on top of the whole OpenAI structure, fired Altman, uh, demoted his partner Brockman, they that led to Brockman resigning that then led to a whole bunch of other people resigning that was over the weekend and by Monday morning out of 770 employees 700 had signed up to join Microsoft along with Sam and, uh, and uh, Brockman uh, uh, in uh, you know leaving OpenAI as a shell um, uh, Satya um, from Microsoft clearly was very worried that when the stock market opened on Monday, his share price would crash. And that was a, a kind of a mission that very successfully supported the share price. It actually went up uh, and, and also left the door open to Altman staying. And over the, over this week that played itself out. And by Wednesday, uh, the board had changed and, um, Two people left the board. Some new people joined, including Larry Summers. Uh, Altman was reinstated along with Brockman. And it's uh, back to normal, in quotes. Uh, but, of course, it isn't. It's a whole new world. But that, that that's the, the, the sequence of events. Uh, an alternative, not that I'm making editorial suggestions, Keith, for that was the week, but an alternative title could have been The Tale of Two Companies because... What strikes me about OpenAI is it's, it was, maybe not so much now, it was simultaneously two companies within one company. It's a weird arrangement. Can you explain that? Yeah. So, well, the history is that OpenAI was created as a not-for-profit by Elon Musk and his co-founders. And, um, and, and, and those co-founders included Altman. Yes. And Brockman. And, and I think Ilya. Uh, the, yeah, Ilya, who worked for Jeff Hinton at Toronto, uh, in Toronto, was one of the figures behind 
LLMs. I mean, re reinventing AI in in the early teens. Yeah, and then at some point uh, they realized they needed a lot of money. But, uh, can I just jump in here, Keith? One of the things that's interesting to me is why they created the nonprofit. I mean, the obvious conclusion is well, they they were worried about AI and they wanted to donate it to the public and blah blah blah. But I. I've read some other stuff. I'm not sure if it's any of the pieces you suggested. You've got some great pieces, which we'll talk about. But one of the things I read suggested that one of the reasons they created the nonprofit in the first place was for tax reasons, because it allowed them to park large amounts of money into this company without any tax implications. Do you think there's any truth to that? I don't think so. I think it was a different, it was driven by Elon Musk's <clears throat> fear that a purely commercial incentive for AI would lead to uncontrolled AI outcomes. So at the very core of it is the idea that capitalism and AI can't really work together. Yeah, but you're, you're crediting Elon Musk with perhaps a little bit more <clears throat> profundity than he's capable of. Firstly, this wasn't his company, and, and, and it's not his story. This is a story about Altman rather than Musk. So are you suggesting that Altman, that Musk was really the guy behind OpenAI? Only at the beginning. He, he, he abandoned it when the for-profit was formed and Microsoft allocated $10 billion worth of computing power. And that took the form of an investment into a subsidiary that um, was still governed by the not-for-profit but it had commercial intent. Right, okay, so let's leave Musk, because Musk is, I don't see Musk yeah. as, as central as perhaps you do. So it began as a nonprofit, co-founded by Musk and Altman and the guy, um, Ilya, who was the fourth person? Greg Brockman. Bre Greg Brockman. It had some heavyweight initial, um, initial uh, board members, including Reid Hoffman, who seems ubiquitous. Yeah. Um, and what did it raise, like 500 million or a billion? I don't remember what the initial raise was. A large amount of money. I think it was $850 million. But it was all their own money. They all put their own money in. Right, but they had a lot of money. So it's, yeah. which for, for better or worse, didn't get taxed. They could park some of their profits from other tech um, initiatives into this thing. So it, it was always intriguing no one quite understood it was always a bit murky even from the beginning wasn't it yeah Vinod Kostler by the way invested very early as well it, I don't know if it was murky it was there was a lot of unknown you know at that time I don't think any of us really believed AI was close to being realistic so it felt like a highly philosophical conversation between um, people thinking about the future it was 2015 yeah so 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 it was a bit abstract and i don't think anyone paid that much attention and, and let's just be clear about altman was certainly one of the core drivers one of the interesting things about all this is it's um it's brought out altman's um intriguing relationship with uh y combinator which i hadn't known about at the time when did he get fired at Wire Combinator? I don't think we know that he got fired. Well, I think Paul Graham's made it clear he got fired in his own way. Your your friend, Paul Graham. Yeah. I mean, if well, he flew over from the UK, 
uh, you do that to fire somebody. You don't do it. Yeah. The reason. So Je Jeff Ralston took over at YC. Um, I can't remember what year that was. Uh, I think it was about 2050. It was about the same time. Yeah. And, and, and then so Sam Altman became the CEO and the driver in the mid-teens of OpenAI. Yeah. And, and, and I don't think anyone really knows the story of the YC exit, to be honest. Um, well, I think a lot of the stuff that's come out made it clear. I mean, Paul Graham's put it quite clearly. He's a difficult guy to work with because he's so brilliant and so selfish or self-focused. You know, yeah. he's Jobsian in that sense, a genius who pisses people off. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't have the gene that finds that objectionable. I can't. Well, I'm it. not making. I'm not suggesting it is. I'm just stating a point. But he is who he is. He's clearly driven. He's clearly. Quite yeah, I mean, he's a classic entrepreneur. He's self-interested, yeah. impatient. Yeah, and I and I think this week he's shown himself to be quite calm. By the way, I mean. Well, let's leave that. So let's let's go back to the story because this is the important thing. Otherwise, it gets a bit silly. Um, so what happened to allow within this nonprofit when did it become when did they establish this for-profit sideline or parallel company and why didn't they just start another company just do a, a regular startup well that's super hard all, all the ip would be inside open ai and um you know, it would be almost impossible. So I, I think they just tried to figure out how to pay for the costs of the development, which are in the billions. Well, you're, then, a star, you're an entrepreneur, Keith. I mean, by the way, this, you, you should know. This, sorry, go on. Just before you do, just a factual bit. When Microsoft invested, uh, along with others, they put a cap on the games at a um, hundred times the investment. So if you put in a billion, you couldn't make more than a hundred billion. So there's kind of a share buyback clause. Well, that's still a pretty good deal. You put a billion in, you get a hundred billion. It's a hundred X. Yeah, but if the, if the company ends up being worth trillions, um, it's not coming to you. Um, and, uh, and if it works, it will be worth trillions. So, so there's kind of a, an unusual part even right. of the for profit but, but coming back if, if you're an entrepreneur you're also an investor would you put money into a company that began as a non-profit and clearly had second thoughts and wanted to create a kind of parallel or caveat for-profit company within this non-profit i still don't really understand mm -hmm. how they got away with it really i think it's it it's it's one of those things. I mean, the journey of a company is quite specific to the people involved and who they engage with. And there's problems to solve based on pre-existing structures. And, you know, minds come together and figure out solutions. So I think it's honestly quite organic. I don't think it would. Yeah, in other words, you're not answering me and they didn't answer because I don't think this is a question you can answer. And, and that is why they got yeah. into such trouble. Yeah, it, it, they they built contradiction into the very heart. Right, they built a contradiction. I like that. You're a man of you're you're an expert in historical contradictions, Keith. Is there something Hegelian about this? Well, there's, there's certainly a, a, a you know a thesis, an antithesis, and a synthesis, um, which is the Hegelian references. Right. So the contradiction is: on the one hand, it was a nonprofit designed to save the world from AI. On the other, or at least protect the world from the dangers of ai 
On the other hand, it was a for-profit steaming ahead with generative AI. When did so when did the Microsoft investment happen? I don't remember the year, to be honest, but it was about three years ago. But is it a, one of the other things that's not clear? Is this real money or are these vouchers which require AI to use Microsoft services? So it's not real cash. It's a little bit of both, but it's mostly uh, tokenistic. So it's yeah. not. And my, by the way, Microsoft are well practiced at this. When I when I did a deal with them in in 1999, uh, real names, they gave me control of the browser address bar, Internet Explorer, and in return they got 20% of my company. So it's a standard thing. Yeah, it is. And so now, now the the catalyst, however, we haven't really got to the crux of it yet. This contradiction at the heart wasn't really the cause, because that was peaceful coexistence really the cause apparently is an internal project known as q star that Ilya was in charge of apparently where, where's your evidence for that because there have been a lot of rumors on there was a, a reuters piece yesterday that seems to have a lot of backing that basically makes the point that the most recent internal tests of this q star project um Chat GPT has learned math. There's a lot of detail into how, but basically... Yeah, I read it, actually. Uh, now, by learning math, of course, it can calculate. And once you can calculate, uh, computers become available to you to do all kinds of things. And apparently, Ilya got super concerned about the implications. Apparently, it's elementary-level math. It's not super math, but... But there were, I mean, leaving aside that, which probably is important, there were a lot of tensions between uh, Altman and the board. Let's just remind ourselves of what the board looked like, because that's the interesting thing to me. Is And I think it astonished a lot of people that a company that was valued at 90 or $100 billion had five people on the board. Most of the heavy hitters had left. Musk left. Hoffman left to do his own AI startup. Um so there was Altman and Brockman. And who are the other three or four? Ilya? Uh, Ilya was one and then two women, Holly, and I'm blanking on the name of the, the, the remainder. Tona, Helen Tona. Yeah, but they were they were all um, focused. And Adam D'Angelo, the ex-Facebook guy. Yeah, who Altman spent Thanksgiving with yesterday and apparently is friendly with. So... Even if they were on opposite sides, and and, yeah. and Altman was in favor of firing, yeah. So uh, and Angela was in favor of firing Altman. Yeah. So the board's remit combined not for profit with safety. Um, and the the, the you know the, the 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 difference of opinion is all around speed and safety. Um, I don't think it's really about commercialization, although. Um, only insofar as commercialization is uh, reducing safety. So it's really all about safety, which is why the debate is about uh, this, this uh, grouping called effective altruists who, who have been very loud and strong on uh, AI and safety and have made the primary discussion around AI to do with um, the risks to humanity of developing it. And, of course, Altman is of the opposite point of view and those are known as the uh, the e accelerators effective acceleration 
And it's led to this new word in the lexicon, which um, is now being used, decels, uh, short for decelerators, people who want to slow everything down. That really is the crux of it. And Ilya catalyzed that because he was afraid that the new discovery was going to lead to speeding it up, but also increasing its capabilities um, to, in an unpredictable way. And, and, and it all blew up. And, and I don't think this resolves it, by the way. I think we're... we're, we're... Well, we'll get to the resolution. Um, we are talking with Keith Tier, the CEO of SignalRank and the author of That Was The Week, an essential... Uh, newsletter about what happened, what has happened in tech. And of course, there's only one story in tech over the last couple of weeks. Keith, you say this is the rival between the accelerators and the D cells, but they're both legitimate. They're both articulate. They both have good arguments. The problem is that it coexisted within the same company. I mean, there's no reason why you can't have nonprofits designed to slow AI down. And of course, there are always going to be for profits focused on seizing territory isn't that the problem is that you can't have ex you can't have a an accelerator company which is simultaneously a decel company controlled by a decel board well i think if you historicize that a little bit you know at the time of the enlightenment you could say the catholic church was legitimate and so was saint simon the believer in positivism so there's always different points well, there's always but they were different san simon was not part of didn't live in rome and they were both legitimate the weird thing is that this was taking place simultaneously within the same company well I, I, in the I, same boardroom i think that's always true in history the idea that there is uniformity is is false there, there's always every board i've ever been on and i've been on many there's never been uniformity. Yeah, but if you take Google's, for example, which revolutionized the internet and Web 2.0, the, the board wasn't divided. It was a for-profit company. I mean, Sergey and Larry differed in terms of business models, and they brought in Eric Schmidt, but they never smashed the company. They never smashed the company, but remember, Schmidt used to be on Apple's board and then went to war with Apple over Android. And Yeah, but that's different. That's two competing corporate entities so yeah. well, what, I, what I, come I, at? so clearly uh, i was going to say i think in silicon valley at the moment andrew uh, this was true yesterday at my thanksgiving uh, uh dinner with friends you're going to find strongly held views on what appears to be uh, a very strict divide between people who believe in unrestrained innovation and do not welcome regulation and those who take the opposite view that that is the moment that we're living in in, in the valley. There, there there are basically um, uh, the equivalent of luddites and innovators, uh, and you know both have strongly held views. Both can defend them. Both claim humanism as their goal. Uh, Which is a day, meaningless word, right? Yeah, meaningless word. So it is it is actually very symbolic of a it goes way beyond open ai to this moment in tech, the philosophy of technology wall street journal had a great article yesterday saying that this open ai saga has dealt a mortal blow to uh, what are known as the d cells or the the effective altruism people um, and I think the Wall Street Journal is probably calling the end of the war way too yeah, early. Yeah, but that's, yeah, they don't like the effect of altruism. Of course, the term has got 
horrible marketing because of Sam Bank, another Sam, Sam Bankman Freed. Yeah. But it is it is symbolic of the moment, and people are taking sides. Um, um, friends are taking sides against each other, and uh, it's become quite dogmatic and ideological. Uh, Mark Andreessen is basically uh, a divider in in this because he's so strong, uh, strongly spoken on the topic that he's dividing opinion. Uh, Why? Well, but again, coming back to my question. The reality is you're going to have both. You're going to have non-profit companies and you have for-profit companies. And, and that's always been the case. It was the case, you can, the case you throughout can. the history of the internet. You had non-profit, uh, no, non-profit um, browsers yeah. and you had for-profit browsers. It's just weird that it would take place within the same company. Well, you're right. OpenAI is kind of novel in that sense. However, you know, both points of view are going to are fighting. So it isn't peaceful coexistence. It's a fight for the heart and soul of the meaning of the word innovation and whether humans should be afraid of it or embrace it. That, no, that it is. isn't because the D cells, they're not just, they're not innovators. They don't claim to be. They're not interested in innovation. They're interested in something else. Well, what? What are they? I don't know. In? They're interested in whatever you want to call it. You may not like them, but they're regulators or anti-tech people. Yeah. Well, that, um, that, so I don't see that. I don't think it's a. Well, in, in a way, that tells us how relevant our conversations are when we do these on a Friday, because Lena Khan, for example, is. And you should come up. She must be frothing at the bit to control open air. Yeah. Well, she. You know, she. We've talked about her a lot, but that urge to regulate is a big part of the D-cell uh, anti-big tech kind of set of ideas that, we're, you know, that tries to make us all threatened by, by technology. And, and I, you know, I just can't go there. I mean, to me, it's... It, I thought it you all... liked Lena Khan. I thought she, <laughs> thought she was right. You're a big fan. So, so there are two or three questions here to come. I mean, this seems to have been resolved in the short term. So my first question to you is, um, has this actually changed anything? I think it's changed the awareness of the issues massively. And I think... Which issue? The issue within OpenAI? No, no. The, the issues that lived in OpenAI but exist outside of it, which is, which is uh, you know, what do we think about allowing scientists to innovate free of regulation yeah i don't agree i think mean, that issue was out there last week the week oh, before was, last was, year it, the year before i don't see what difference it makes it shone a light on it i mean it's a, people are much more sensitive and aware now so almost any topic that comes up and i discussed yet many of them yesterday with friends uh the philosophical roots of your of your opinions are now being transparently exposed and discussed openly and that that's new the, the, i mean i'd never heard of eac until about a month ago but you what's eac <laughs> exactly it's the effective acceleration which is the opposite of effective altruism or not the opposite but it's the other side of the argument yeah, I, I I have to admit I am by. I mean, you you go to your fancy Palo Alto dinner parties, Thanksgiving, 
these are all wealthy powerful people i i just i just don't think most people i don't think it's affected anything in that sense uh, I, I mean, clearly, yeah. I mean, so who won in this? Is it, are there any winners? It seems as if I know there everyone's are winners. come out a bit tarnished. Sam Altman doesn't look quite as Christ-like as he did before the crisis, does he? I think he he played a very smart game. I'd say the winners are, are Satya, the CEO of Microsoft. Yeah. Altman and the commercial side of OpenAI are winners. I think Vinod Kostler comes out a winner. He was very vocal uh, on Twitter during the whole thing. Um, probably Andreessen uh, on the fringe. He's not directly a beneficiary, but his point of view is... But I, I think that the nonprofit board has come out looking pretty good in the sense they, they stuck to their guns. They had their position. They were willing to destroy the company for their beliefs. And in the end, the maybe the... I, I don't know what changed their minds. Maybe the employees... Well, they they were. <clears throat> you remember Ilya apologized, yeah, and 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 said he regretted instigating the whole thing. He's come out. He doesn't look. He looks a bit of an odd character, doesn't he? Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see <clears throat> if they can rebuild those relationships. But basically, they they in pursuing their beliefs, the board almost destroyed OpenAI. And OpenAI, whatever you think of it, is a massive plus. But that, that, that's and, and and one of the articles you connected with was I thought was ex excellent. I actually read it before the newsletter. Stratechery, 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 Thompson's piece, which made it clear that for Microsoft, they had all the IP rights. To open AI. So it wouldn't have even mattered to our Microsoft had OpenAI essentially collapsed and they would have hired all the ex OpenAI people. So from Microsoft's point of view, probably the collapse of OpenAI wouldn't have been a bad thing. I think it would be bad from a regulatory point of view because they benefit from not owning OpenAI. They own 49% of the commercial side. Um, and if they own the whole, one assumes the regulatory regime would be all over them. So I think they prefer the outcome as it happened, but they were prepared to step in and hire everyone. By the way, Salesforce put out a competitive bid telling every OpenAI engineer that they will match Microsoft's offer to them. And, and honor, you know, uh, OpenAI is about to do a share sale of employee stocks where many, many employees will get several million dollars each, up to 10 million, I think. And Salesforce and Microsoft both offered to match those scenarios. So that tells you when a single engineer is worth 10 million, how, how much focus there is on this. But, but the, the Thompson piece suggests <clears throat> that, that had OpenAI just folded and Microsoft hired all the X engineers they brought as was originally announced uh, earlier in the week they would have brought um uh, altman in to run a, a startup within micro an ai startup within they would have essentially got open ai for nothing 
Well, not for nothing, because they still would have all the costs and the 10 billion. But yeah, not but 10 billion isn't cost, it's not cash. So they would have been even off the hook in terms of those vouchers. Yeah, they well, well, it, they still have to spend it, whether they spend it with OpenAI or just spend it themselves, it's still a cost of running the whole thing. Um, and it's just <coughs> a question of where the money goes. But yeah, they, they literally could have acquired OpenAI for free. But they didn't really want to. There's advantages. For a PR point of view, do you think? From a future regulatory point of view. Microsoft is... Yeah. You know... So the lawyers... The lawyers determine... A lot. <laughs> and and did Altman come out a winner? I mean, as I said, his, his reputation seems a little tarnished. There was the stuff that about getting fired from Y Combinator and all these arguments that he he's clearly a very focused self-ish guy for better or worse. I mean, he's an innovator. He's looking better. Well, look, he, all innovators get tarnished. The more independent they are, the more they get tarnished. Look at Elon, for example. Yeah. So, so the people who don't like innovators who are self-motivated uh, are, are always going to dislike anyone like that. Um, so I don't think he's lost friends. I just think he's reinforced enemies in believing that they're right to be enemies. But I don't think he's lost any friends. And I actually think, for me, his reputation went up because he played, he played a very calm game in what must have been a highly emotional few days. Yeah. He didn't overreact. He talked to all the right people. And in the end got the right outcome he's very smart but that was the i mean both the compliment and the knock on him that graham said you drop it i think his quote was brilliant actually you drop him uh into a community of of, of cannibals and then a month later he comes out as the king i mean he's clearly a, a a brilliant operator for better or worse and i guess the board just didn't trust him and, and the board was clearly out of its league with a guy like that uh, you know, the board implied that they were blindsided on the technical capabilities. When they said he's less than candid, I think it's um, Ilya saying, look, we've made this breakthrough in, in QSTAR, and the board was unaware of it. And given that the board's governance remit includes uh, safety, and Ilya was saying this may not be safe, both of which I disagree with, but still, um, the board really had no choice. I think the board, you know, from its own point of view, did the right thing. Yeah, I think, uh, and the board comes out looking, whether you approve of what they did, the heroic, they stuck to their guns. D'Angelo stuck to his guns. He's clearly a survivor. I mean, women haven't come out of it very well. The two women on the board got fired. The new people on the board, Larry Summers, and Taylor, obviously, are men. Uh, uh, oh, oh, should we expect women on the board at some point here? Well, look, Brett, Brett, makes Silicon Valley look very good from a female point of view. I hate to say it, but I, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I don't have a strong point of view about that. I, I don't. In other words, you don't care. I, you know, I, 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 if it was all women, I wouldn't comment on it, and if it's all men, I don't comment on it. I just want to know: are they, are they, any good? Um, and Larry Summers is an odd choice to me, you know. Uh, Especially since he got fired from Harvard for 
some transgression with women. Oh, did he? I didn't know that. Um, and and Brett Taylor's different. I mean, he's a very very talented Silicon Valley exec. He he did Friend Feed back in the day. He went to because South. Of failure. Uh, he's 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 a, a grown up. Uh, Larry Summers obviously is also a grown up, but his expertise up, perhaps. Um, so I don't, you know, I I don't really see the board as the center of gravity. I think that's seat filling. I think Altman now is the center of gravity. That's what shifted. But he's not on the board now. It doesn't matter because the board has been rendered powerless by all these decisions. Well, yes and no. I mean, they replaced the two board members. I mean, Larry Summers is not a pushover. Presumably, if if Altman continues not to be trusted by the board, he'll get pushed out again. I doubt it. I think when you have 700 out of 770 employees dictating... Yeah, but they, the but they were the ones. They're only concerned. They don't care about Altman one way or the other. Their only concern is to cash out. No, no. I think they all could have taken very lucrative jobs at Microsoft. Yeah, I but they lost their billion-dollar payout if, if the company would have fallen. No, they wouldn't. Microsoft offered to match them. Yeah. So, so I, I, I think this is a board that's been captured by the employees. Maybe. So has this changed anything? I mean, where are we two weeks later? Uh, we're back where we were before, except with a stronger management team. Yeah. And how does this impact op OpenAI's competitors? Is Google, of course, and then Anthropic and some of the other startups? I think they should all be quite sad. I mean, OpenAI is very, very far ahead technically. Um, the others are trying to catch up. I, I, I think Midjourney is more than caught up on imagery. But when you look at the whole portfolio of what OpenAI has in large language models, apparently now in math, in music, in imagery, it's very far ahead. And I think the hope uh, that Google would have had, or others for that matter, that OpenAI would collapse, uh, didn't didn't come true. So I think it's not a good day for everyone else. And what one of the other, <clears throat> there's so many pieces to this narrative. One of the other interesting pieces were all the startups dependent on on the open AI um, API, whatever it is, in terms of developing their own products. So presumably, yeah. that's. Have, have some of them left and chosen other partners? They all started looking into alternative options, but honestly, there are none. There are no good alternative options. So I, I, I think I think Facebook's Llama, which is open source, uh, although it's no Google's Llama, isn't it? No, it's Facebook. Lambda. Uh, Lambda, yeah, sorry, Lambda. Uh, Facebook's one is is uh, the place most of them turn to. Um, but it has a lot of restrictions of your use, and you end up paying Facebook if you use it over above a certain amount. So I, there was no good alternative technically either. The other ones are not as good as, as ChatGPT. So I, I, I think it's back to normal there now. And what about uh, Microsoft? Uh, there was an interesting piece by John Thornhill in the FT this morning about the exposure to the, the, the turmoil exposing Microsoft's investment and dependence 
on this LLM. Now there's a new thing called SLMs, small language models, which Microsoft is better equipped. Are mm -hmm. we shifting from an LLM world to an SLM world? They coexist. Um, small language models are basically focused on a corpus of data that is more um, discrete to a, a topic. Um, so they coexist. They're not, they're not separate to each other. Normally in tech, you get this trend called unbundling when um, you know something like Craigslist that sells everything. Uh, little by little, you get sites that sell cars, other sites that rent homes, other sites that do, um, you know, uh, 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 whatever, other parts of it. And eventually Craigslist is a shell of its former self because people go to these, you know, these specialist sites. Well, that probably is what will happen over the long run with AI. They'll, they'll, they'll be specialisms and small language models are a better technology for that. Uh, cheaper, faster, uh, you know, more focused, but do less. AGI, uh, you know, which is um, the goal, the end goal of, you know, basically artificial intelligence that is general um, to everything, that remains the goal of most researchers. And if you have AGI, by definition, you do not get unbundling. Because and one of the interesting things about the Microsoft, the original Microsoft deal with OpenAI was that if, and the strategy, however you pronounce it, that piece reveals this, but had OpenAI developed AGI, Microsoft wouldn't have had the, the rights to it. Is that, so it, it, I don't know how you determine whether or not you get to AGI. Yeah, it's, a, it's an amorphous concept, AGI. I mean, at some point, the large language models are good enough to replace many, many human tasks. And a AGI is usually defined as uh, computers are better than humans at everything. Um, well, we, we still have a bit of a way to go on that. So I, I've recommended this Thompson piece. It's good. Op yeah. OpenAI's misalignment and Microsoft's gain. I thought it was brilliant, although maybe it's slightly dated because it came out last Monday. Um, is there one piece, you've got a number of pieces you recommend, is there one piece that you think captures everything? It's so, on the one hand, it seems very simple. On the other hand, it's incredibly complicated. What's the best writing on it this week? I think the, the first essay of the week, which says the AI industry turns against its favorite philosophy, uh, which is that was semaphore, it's in semaphore. That, yeah, I think that is the most prescient piece that that I, I I find is very well attuned to what's going on in Silicon Valley. Um, yeah, I didn't know that Jan Tallinn was involved in this. I talked to him many years ago in um, uh, in uh, in Estonia in Tallinn itself, and it doesn't surprise me actually that he's part of this. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's probably the, the best one. Uh, Chamath uh, Palihipitaya wrote a nice history of open air, by the way, if anyone Yeah, I, I, I was looking at that. So there's a lot there. Has anything else happened in the last couple of weeks, Keith? It, the open air sucked all the oxygen out of the room. Well, the, the Binance CEO has pleaded guilty to money laundering and is 
set to agree to a $4 billion fine uh, and is no longer allowed to be the CEO of Binance. He's going to go to jail, so he's not it, Sam Bankman-Fried. It doesn't look like he's going to go to jail. Uh, it looks like he's going to just pay a fine, but who knows? He has to appear in court in February in Seattle um, for the charges to become official and the penalty to become official. And I do believe judges have some um, ability to not do what has been previously agreed. So I think there is a question mark there. And then Scott Sch Schleifer left Tiger Global, which is a, a second major exec to leave. Well, that was, you used to talk big about Tiger Global until he's conveniently, we don't hear about them anymore. And they, they, Do they have a future? They do. They definitely do, but different to the past. And, and then finally, the other news of the week, is Musk says that uh, XAI's chatbot Grok will be launched to... I'm a premium subscriber. What does that mean? I think it means you'll get an interface within the uh, Twitter or X client that lets you have a chatbot. Um, does that have any value? Is Musk still a player in this space, do you think? Remains to be seen. Uh, the only thing we really know about Grok is that it's been built with a sense of humor that involves irony and sarcasm. Which he doesn't contain. He does, There's one thing he's missing. <laughs> right? That's probably why he built it in. So he can... And it's terribly it. named. Grok. Grok. Well, it's quite a good word, Grok. Do you, do you Grok it? But it's a wonder... I, I mean, it was a wonderful real-time drama, Keith, wasn't it? The, yeah. Everyone yeah. was glued to their x and their news updates so things were changing on a hour by hour basis exactly right exactly right and uh the script i'm sure is being written now for the hollywood movie yeah so it, obvious finally uh we end with our two favorite features startup of the week um what is the startup of the week keith the new open ai of course uh oh malik wrote this piece but it, it i decided to drop it into startup of the week um, because where else could you look for a startup of the week? OpenAI is now a new company. Uh, I suspect unencumbered by its now neutered board, free to innovate. That's my but, but has the whole nonprofit piece of a, a, a OpenAI, has that just gone away? Is it now just a, a standard for-profit startup? It, it structurally it remains in place and so it could come back to bite them but practically speaking it's no longer the driving force when you say it could come back to bite them what do you mean well if the if the board suddenly believed it should try to stop the commercial side again the fight would reoccur and if it did reoccur i think Altman would probably be out wouldn't he what, what do you make also the other thing we miss there's so many pieces to it is that they appointed a post altman ceo who lasted about 24 hours well they appointed two first they appointed the cto uh, a very impressive woman as the ceo and then she came out on the side of altman so they quickly removed her and replaced her with the former the former ceo of twitch um, didn't get great press and he conveniently withdrew eugene i think he's widely considered in a favorable way but he is he is a d cell 
So a D cell was never going to get power here. And finally, X of the week. So many tweets, so many X X's about what happened. You've chosen Aaron Levy, the lead magician and CEO at Box. What did he say? The problem we have in AI right now is not that it's getting too powerful. It's that it's not nearly powerful enough. Very little has changed thus far because of AI and won't until models get faster, cheaper, more accurate, and more intelligent. Building safe AI, and then you've got to click through to see the full lot. Building safe AI is insanely important, but any goal that is half in and half out of driving progress overall seems to make little sense. So I put that in because I agree with it. Yeah, I can agree more. It's the goal. I mean, that's what, I mean, it was literally, uh, OpenAI was a unicorn. It was an unnatural company, and now it's a little bit more natural. So finally, Keith, in a year or two or five years, is this just going to be a footnote to a footnote, or is this an important event? I mean, it was dramatic and fun to watch and play along with, but does it really matter, do you think? I think it will not be just a footnote. I, I, I think the wind the intellectual wind is in the sales of the losers this week. The, the, the effective altruism crowd represent somewhat similar to the woke crowd in politics. They represent the growing mood of fear that, that our times kind of breathe on. And so I think actually um, this is a, they lost a battle, but they're not going away.